0: I guess um,
1: what? I said something the other day, and somebody goes, oh, that's so Austin of you. Do you remember the catchphrase? I think first? it was for sure. Faux oh, show, Oh, man. For I, sure. And I, and I didn't think anything of it.
0: I text Faux Show a lot. A lot, a lot. It works. Yeah. Also, remember, like anything I can hear. Um, also, if you swallow, people are going to hear you swallow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Are No Alamo, the mental health podcast. As always, I am your host, Paige Whalen. And in the WANA studio today, we have Carter. Welcome, Carter. Hey, thank you. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for hosting me.
0: You're welcome. So where do you want to start with your story? Um, Let's like not start from the womb.
1: Right. What do you think about that? (laughs) I think things were pretty good back then. Um,
0: (laughs) Before I had worries that I could understand.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that, I guess uh, before we really get into it, things I need, things that I will say probably need to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt Okay. or else I will come across as salty. Um,
0: You do look like a pirate. I'm actually in
1: a pretty good place, but I do kind of have... I don't, I kind of see things for what they are Mm -hmm. and I don't sugarcoat and I don't bullshit. And, um, some people that's a little, um, it's a little much for them. So with that said, uh, everything that I will share is coming from a good place. Uh, let's just, I guess, focus on that.
0: Okay. Thanks for that little preface. Sure. I think it's important for, you know, some people to understand that. We're here to open up the conversation and really not censor ourselves because these stories are important and you're not the only one who has probably experienced whatever you've experienced. So I'm excited that you're here and I want to hear your story.
1: Cool. Um, Where do we want to start?
0: Okay. Why did you or how did you find out about Juana? Let's start there.
1: This is a good one. Yeah, uh, found out about Wana while surfing Hinge. Yeah. So uh, yeah, single ladies. Um, hey, what's up? No, but I saw, Paige had a had a prompt on, I guess her profile on there and whatnot, and um, it kind of jumped out to me, and so I did a little more research, googled you guys, and kind of looked into what Wana was all about, and I was very interested just because of the kind of the purpose of of what you guys are doing. Taking everyday people, getting a chance to share opportunities, things they've struggled with, ways they've overcome them, and things of that nature just in with, I think, kind of with the end goal of just helping people. And that's, um, you know, that's what a lot, I try and put a lot of focus on helping others in my life at this point in time.
0: Where did Um, that start?
1: Um, I've always kind of had a heart for people less fortunate. I Mm. didn't grow up extremely, you know, fortunate or (laughs) anything of that nature, but we certainly didn't grow up. I didn't really have a hard life growing up either, but I've just always kind of had this kindness for, um, helping out homeless people in my hometown or, you know, finding that person that's kind of having a shitty day and you know, maybe they're an outcast, and approaching them and trying to find a common ground so they don't feel so alone, right? And going through, I guess, getting into truly adulthood now uh, in my thirties. Welcome to thirty. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-five year old with a with a sixteen year old mind at times, but you made it. They um. It's it's really just kind of weighed heavily on me. There's a strong presence of a lot of need in Austin. And so I just kinda of began starting out on a small scale, you know, whether it be um get with the homeless a homeless
0: population. Is that what
1: we Yeah, just kinda of whether it be get someone a meal or, you know, uh get them a bus ticket back to Houston if they have a better opportunity to start over. That's actually a really good idea, you know that uh that I was fortunate enough to be able to help somebody do that, and that uh that person was extremely thankful and just the gratitude in that moment was also very very fulfilling for myself mm-hmm. uh of course that's not why you do it you don't do it to make yourself feel good of but course it's kind of an added bonus to um to helping out people
0: yeah. so. what do they say about um helping others is normally like so you get something in return at the end of the day what is that word um oh yeah it's altruistic
1: if i if we get going too far long gone on something or you can tell i'm just rambling let me send me a message or something well you know what
0: (laughs) I produced this, you yeah. said we're going to go over, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm know, just saying, whatever, if it, if it gets
1: to, if I lose my train of thought and we can't connect it back, which probably will happen a couple times. Uh, okay. Just, just say, <laughs> <laughs> remind me of where we are supposed to be going.
0: Okay. Well, we're with um, the homeless people. You, Oh yeah. i the i Texas. I'm,
1: yeah. We're trying to find that word.
0: I'm, I stopped. Okay, <laughs> it's basically helping others. Typically, it's help helping.
1: Um, you're looking for the term, essentially. That, or well, is it a phrase? Helping yourself through helping other type thing, or yeah,
0: like a public servant, basically like a
1: philanthropist. Yeah, uh, I'm not that.
0: <laughs> well, maybe how? When did you start becoming compassionate about people, and why did you choose? the homeless population, was it because you saw a need there and you were able to help? Or did you just, you know, was it your heart that was pulling you there?
1: I've always been compassionate um, for other people, I think due in the fact that I have a brother who was born with some handicaps. Okay. And so at a very young age, I was... um, I was just kind of exposed to the raw needs of people and then those that may not be as fortunate in many different ways, whether it be mentally, um, physically, whether, you know, they have a roof over their head or not. Uh, I just kind of, I feel like that's where this started for me as far as, um, just where it all stemmed from.
0: Right. Did it go back to your, to your childhood? just because of your brother, well, I guess?
1: Uh, I did a lot of volunteer work in high school. Okay. So I would say maybe somewhere in that realm I got into, uh, just really became aware of the need that other, other people need people, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you mind sharing, like, what your brother went through growing up, what kind of disabilities he had?
1: Um, sure. Yeah, It's uh, so in a nutshell, <laughs> the condensed <laughs> version – he was born three months premature, and this was in 1990. At that point in time, the high-speed ventilator that basically kept him breathing and alive, right um, the side effects of that could be brain bleeding and some other issues. And uh, Daniel, my brother, is... Somewhat just kind of a statistic. Uh, He was one of the ones that happened to get those side effects. So as a result, he has a little bit of mental retardation and cerebral palsy. He is wheelchair bound. Um, He still interacts very well. He's, Mm -hmm. if I had to guess, probably has the mental capacity of about a 16-year-old. So um, growing up, it was almost like growing up around a child...
0: Mhm. Was that uh, difficult for you to understand as a kid or since it he was your brother and this was, you know, the way you grew up that that was the normal and everything was okay? Or how did you go about I don't want to say dealing with it, but experiencing that kind of family dynamic?
1: Well, I don't know him in any other form. Right. Um and this is this is something that I was actually thinking about this morning. With my daughter, she saw a cover of a magazine of this football coach that was born with no arms and no legs. Wow. We got into this conversation about it, and as I read the article, um, this guy was talking about how a lot of people look down on him, they feel pity, and he didn't want them to do that because he knows nothing different. Yeah. So He's aware. Of, correct, yeah. Uh, kind of relating that back to your question, um, You know, I don't know my brother any other way. That was just life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I do think that when I was younger, I didn't understand a lot of why he could not do some of the same things that I could do, you know, (laughs) maybe around 10, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we both got older, you know, I started to grasp kind of the severity of things and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: why certain things were different for us.
0: Isn't that crazy that? You know, your normal is, you know, okay until someone brings an awareness that you are the other or you're experiencing this otherness and this, you know, judgment that comes along with that. Like, for example, I, you know, have friends who had learning disabilities or didn't, you know, get their stuff signed in elementary school. And you're a sponge at that age and they would, you know, basically segregate us, like, put us on the stage and in the cafeteria while everyone else could eat first. And then we were allowed to go. And that was my first experience with otherness. Like, oh, my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. And I think that has definitely been reflected when I got diagnosed with, you know, bipolar and depression and everything because it felt like, oh, no, I'm different. Everyone's going to judge me. You know, similar to that
1: experience. I feel like that's a um, society has done such a good job isolating people and making them feel like shit because of things they cannot control, mm-hmm. and as a result, we've put this massive social stigma around everything. Uh, you, oh, completely you can't speak your mind these days. And
0: welcome to the wanna fan.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so that is one of the things that really. Um, jumped out to me about what you guys do and the fact that I feel like, I know, (laughs) I don't feel, I know there are so many people going through life out there that have not voiced anything they are experiencing, if nothing more for the simple fear that they will be viewed differently. That's Uh, pretty powerful. It is scary as hell to make yourself vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but I also believe it's extremely necessary to help you work through everything.
0: Right. And you can't really do that alone, right? Unless you have, well, that's my experience. I don't want to put that on you, but it has helped, you know, going to uh, intensive outpatient and meeting other people who do experience depression and anxiety. Um, When did you begin your mental health journey as far as becoming aware of like your mental state or, you know, things like that?
1: I think the first real bout I had with um, with things was really just deep-rooted anxiety. I had uh, a close friend of mine die in a car accident our freshman year of college, okay. and I had literally seen that. him about four or five days before this occurred, and uh, I just I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Right, it just it messed with me to the point where Things in life got so bad, I would almost think they were my own personal premonitions.
0: You blamed Uh, yourself, basically?
1: No, I didn't blame myself. I just, for some reason, the loss of life, and that being someone that was my age, I'd lost grandparents prior, uh, but to lose someone your age for the very first time, I think really can change you. And it just caused this downward spiral in me to where I was overly anxious and just almost hypochondriac behavior.
0: Okay. You know, Didn't explain any like what thing, that is. Sorry. What is a hypochondriac? Uh
1: somebody that worries about a lot of stuff, typically their health, I okay. believe. Um you know, you yeah. always think something's wrong or the worst is happening. That is anxious that behavior. Is, yes. So it had gotten to the point uh where it was just consuming my life at that time and you know, I went to different therapists. I went to other doctors, got put on medication, Then the medication just kind of makes you a zombie. Oh, thank changes you. Changes who you are. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of went that route for a couple of years, I think. And then I don't recall if, if I even just kind of weaned myself off or if I just woke up one day and decided that was not working. Right. And just stop taking my stuff.
0: You just stop taking it. We are not medical professionals here, but correct. I would, would, if
1: if there are people listening that are on medication for certain reasons, I am not condoning uh, any of my behaviors. I personally have just gone down a few different routes with with my own journey. So,
0: what is the most on that journey? The most um, vivid experience that you've had
1: in that particular instance or since then
0: since then or then whatever you want
1: I would say since then um, a lot of things have just really changed in life within the last year year and a half I experienced my first bout of seasonal depression okay uh, in December of 18. Were you still
0: in, because you're originally from Tennessee,
1: correct? Yeah, I've been out here about seven years.
0: So you experienced the seasonal depression in Austin?
1: In Austin. Wow,
0: okay. Tell me more. I'm listening.
1: Yeah, well, if you look back, November and December were extremely dark months here. It was a gray, a good amount of the days. Uh, It rained a lot more, I believe, than it has in a while. And Mm -hmm. I think it just kind of all added up. I spoke with some friends of mine. They said, "Yeah, they couldn't figure out what was off, but something for them in that month was off as well." So I think there, <laughs> there's also kind of just a general. Those those months were just kind of tough for people. I feel, but yeah, that was my first actual experience with my mental health being affected by my surroundings, if you will. Yeah. And that was a very disruptive feeling for me.
0: How did it manifest, this first bout of depression?
1: I mean, depression's so hard to describe. And, it, of course, it varies people to people. For me, I just felt hopeless. Right. Um, there was, you know, I'd, I'd be driving and I would just have these feelings of everything just looking so bleak and gloomy. Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. You know, this was not something I was very familiar with. So there was a few other life factors that just kind of got real busy during the end of last year and then carried over into the beginning of this year. But I think everything compiled just began to weigh on me.
0: Yeah. How did you feel about life in general? About your life, not just, you know, what was happening chemically in your brain and these, you know, worry thoughts?
1: I questioned a lot my purpose.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So I run my own business, and that's great and all, but that's not what I'm here to do. Right. Um, I kind of started looking at the bigger picture, and I have a lot of different thoughts on this that pretty much go against everything we've been told growing up as far as why... We're on this earth, but
0: for example, uh, religion. for
1: example, you know, we get told to go to school and mm-hmm. to do well in school so then we can go to more school and get better grades in school. <laughs> and so then we can go to a job and so we can make money. And that's why that's we're life here. It's yeah. a load of bullshit. You know, I think yes. we're put on this earth to enjoy it because we don't know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Exactly. You know? So to basically just box everything in what we're being told to do by the world, to the world's standards, are not... um,
0: Not on your level. not
1: what I believe anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, you do have to work. You have to have some source of income to survive, clearly. But I think there's a bigger picture, which also kind of loop back into me questioning my purpose
0: Mm
1: -hmm. as to what... I am here for, um, which then just really, I think solidified that aspect of helping people, whether it be through listening to someone going through a trying situation for them, uh, whether it be physically or, you know, financially helping the homeless or however you want to want to go about that. Mm -hmm. Um, really I've just focused on genuine connections with people kind of surrounding myself with people that I know I can count they can count on me but also that I know I can count on them
0: that's a big ask I think in this day and age I mean from my personal experience my group is very small you know and when we were talking before you said like you love getting to know people you're this extroverted guy and you like talking to people and getting their stories. And I, you are helping people by, you know, giving your own story. And talking about your business just for a minute, did you start that in order to try to help others get an awareness out for some reason? Was it, you know, or something
1: else? I literally started that business because I hate working for other people. There you go. Um that's raw. Thanks. <laughs> micromanagement is not something I'm into, so that business allowed me to be my own boss. Uh reap the benefits from that and then it also does allow me flexibility, which is nice, which is why I can sit here on today at this time. We can podcast. we can chat about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's <laughs> so important to mental health also. Um For people and especially managers and, you know, these companies, they have this, you know, ADA accommodation, you know, situation, but sometimes it just people don't want to come out and say, hey, I really need help in this job. And for you to be able to create something that works for you and to keep like a healthy baseline is really cool. And just getting to know you right now, it gives me hope that it'll give other people hope that they're, they're not just, you know, this linear progression of you're born, school, job, dead, or married kids, you know, whatever. There's a, a bigger purpose. And luckily you've provided that for yourself and I think you're providing it for others too. You know, you can do this. And kind of moving into that um, differently, because you started this job obviously you have a daughter who yes. you you know love and care for she sounds awesome if we can go back to when you were talking about the um coach that was born without arms and legs how did you approach speaking to her about the differences in you know his situation versus you know quote unquote normal see did she understand that? Did she come questioning you so, first?
1: In regards to that, there there really is no normal. And I basically raise her in that fashion. Uh, everyone is unique. Everyone is an individual. We are all different. There is no bar right. that we have to achieve or we fail and fall from. It's, you know, that's, that's just a societal thing that is placed upon us, and it's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually is the one who handed me the magazine, and she said, "Dad, this this guy is with the football team, but he doesn't have any arms and any legs. Why?"
0: How observant! And I said, "Well,
1: let's open the magazine. And look." So, yeah, <laughs> you're smiling. Let's let's get into this yeah. life lesson. So, as as we're reading, you know, like I said earlier, this uh, this coach was born without. Arms and legs, and um, she noticed he was obviously. She noticed the differences. Sometimes she'll see people in wheelchairs, and she'll say, "Look, that you know that person's in a chair like Uncle D." Wow. Um, she, I think it, the question you were asking was, "How did I go about
0: beginning that conversation?" Because of how you grew up and. In- you know, you already realized that there are differences in people because you grew up in that family with your brother, you know, And now your daughter' is also starting to observe those differences. and from what I'm hearing, present this really nice way of approaching approaching it. and hearing about children just asking these questions just because they're curious and it doesn't come from a place of animosity or hate or, you know, they're different, so I can't talk to them because it's scary, you know, from what I'm hearing is she's just curious and wants to know why. Yeah,
1: I, um, I just do my best to try and teach her to love and be kind to everyone.
0: How old is she again? She's seven. She's seven. That's, well, good job. What did I say? When I was seven, I was just excited to get my ears pierced. Yeah. She's like, let's, dad helps people. He notices these things.
1: She's very observant.
0: Uh, When she was born, how did that or did it change your outlook again on life? Like you talked about before, you know, your first experience with depression and how that's changed your worldview about, you know, what's important, what's not, how, public service is a noble calling. Did her birth or coming into your life enhance
1: that? Uh, She was... I found out her mother was pregnant when I was 27. 27 was a very interesting year for me. There were were points in life where I wasn't sure I was going to make it to 27. And (laughs) then to... To be where I was. Uh I was I was partying pretty hard at twenty seven just to give you an idea. I mean, there's a there's a lot of whiskey and a lot of cocaine uh for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you get this phone call that says, Hey, you're gonna be a dad. Oops,
0: gotta change. <laughs> I change. And yeah.
1: things uh Things kind of come together, you know, mentally real quick. You get thrown into this panic at first because this is not what you expected. But um, then you then you determine whether or not this is something you're going to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I actually had a lot of friends tell me I didn't have to do this. That I didn't have to. Uh, I didn't have to be dad. That you know, she'd be fine if I never wanted to even know her. Uh, wow. for myself, that wasn't really an option. Good. So
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you
1: for, you know, that's, that was a big, I guess, a big shift as well. And at that point in life, I was nowhere near ready to have a child. You know, people always tell me, oh, 27, so young. I didn't think of it that way. Now I can look back on it, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago. And, uh, yeah. It is young.
0: It is.
1: A lot of people start families in their 30s now. And, you know, I think that's because there's a certain level of uh, mental maturity and just maturity overall that comes when you're in your 30s that you lack in your mid to late 20s.
0: Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you in that. I mean, I'm 30 and still, you know, working on myself, you know, as everyone does growing up. And I was married and divorced by 25. And, you know, luckily, I was able to have control of my mental health at that time. Um, Otherwise, I just don't think it would have been a great situation. But the point is, I completely agree with you in your 20s. And anybody listening, if you're in high school, if you're in your 20s, it's going to be okay. It will. And if it's not, you can, you know, try to make a change, or you can, or you can reach out to somebody, especially someone, you know, who has had similar experiences. Um, I spoke to someone last week. They had, you know, problems with drugs growing up, and he's 21 years old and has done a lot with his life, like a lot for a 21-year-old. And this life that he wants now is not what he wanted when he was younger. He sounds way more wise with his experiences. And I get that sense from you too. So after, you know, you realized, okay, my life really has to change in order for me to be a dad to this girl that, you know, I care about she's my flesh and blood I'm gonna step in whatever friends you know
1: I think uh, so one thing on that is life may not necessarily have to change life will change Uh, things will be different but I feel like so many parents lose their individuality when they become parents and that becomes depressing you can't be who you are just because you bring a child into this world doesn't mean you lose yourself. And that is something that I have had to work to find a balance on uh keeping my individuality while also you know being the best quote unquote responsible parent for her that I can. Right. Uh I'm not going to put her in any danger, but I'm also not going to short myself on experiences simply because there's I have a new a child. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean I see so many people with kids that are miserable and it blows my mind. But the reality is they don't um I don't think they make time for themselves, which is very important, not just for parents, but really for anyone in life. You're Taking right. time for yourself, whether it be self care, uh meditation, you know, reading, whatever, whatever gets you off in that aspect and just kind of centers you Mm -hmm. i would highly encourage that because that that keeps you grounded in yourself Mm -hmm. and then you don't start to lose sight of who you are when when all the exterior problems come in
0: right and i really like that you brought that up because a lot of people stop traveling they don't want to travel with babies they don't want to travel with young kids they you know Put themselves in this box when, like what you said, they just forget that they are also important. That they also have the right to, you know, be okay with themselves. I was, I was watching this interview with Michelle Obama, and now they're empty nesters. Their kids are, you know, going away to college or whatever. And Barack said, Michelle, I'm going to try to the. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, to Michelle, sure. <laughs> you want to do it? Thank you, mama. Um, but he asked Michelle, like, oh, you seem so much less stressed now. And she was like, yeah, Barack, the kids are out, and you were president.
1: Okay. There was right. a lot
0: of pressure there. <clears throat> and now I get to, you know, experience this new life with you. And... I thought that was pretty profound and also a little I felt a little sad for her. But she chose that and she did it and goddamn she's got those strong arms. She can do anything she wants. But it's kinda
1: of like celebrities too, you know, they they reach these certain levels of fame and basically can't walk out of their house. Right. And then as a result Many of them deal with mental health issues because of the anxiety, the depression, things of that nature. So, you know, this is really a problem that... Actually, I'm not going to say it's a problem because I hate that word when, when describing this. <laughs> I do, this. too. I do, too. Completely misspoke that, and my apologies. Um, it, it becomes this feeling that affects everyone, and I think we forget that. Uh, we... We live in a world where social media controls a lot of what we do, say, places we go, uh, why we may eat at this restaurant, because some fucking influencer says they have the best tacos. Who knows? Did Uh, you do
0: that this morning when you ordered tacos?
1: I just go to the local spot near where I used to live, where (laughs) the people are cool and friendly.
0: I love a good food mart with the the tacos in the heater. It's great.
1: They are the best. It's yeah, it's Salsa it's the too. best spot. Um
0: But you picked that. No one else did.
1: No, I it just where I'm going with that is that we we see all these pictures and these people look so happy. They're smiling, they're doing all this awesome, fun, cool shit. They have the best abs. God. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't do anything but work out all day. Life's rough. <laughs> but you know, they could be dead on the inside. Yeah. Uh I think there is I will not say everyone that is an influencer is doing it because they need that validation, mm-hmm. but I think there are a lot of people out there that lack so much in their real life that social media becomes their life, right? And
0: experiencing things things through other people's experiences. Yeah,
1: I mean, who I don't know. I guess some people do. I I don't want to sit there and have to reply to eighty some odd comments every hour or something or, or read this stuff. No one really has time for that. It's just wasting hours of your life. But for some people that is um,
0: that's their bad. That's
1: that's what they need, I guess, and I feel bad for them in that aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you but know, it,
1: go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. It, it also it can also be detrimental to their followers in the sense that you know, we see all this stuff. We see them smiling. We see them traveling. We see them having these great times. We never see their lows. And believe me, they have lows because Mm -hmm. everyone has peaks and valleys.
0: Everyone does, yes.
1: So many times I think it's easy, especially for those dealing with depression or, or other mental health issues, to think, oh, this person's life is so perfect. I wish it was more like that. No, you don't, because we don't know... Their internal struggles, but they have them
0: right. And I can bring up a celebrity, Ariana Grande. After the shooting and uh, was it Manchester? I think in 2017, she, you know, knew she had PTSD or PTS, and she took a brain scan and you know posted it somewhere. Somewhere it's there. It's out there. Check it out. But her brain is completely different than it used to be hmm. because you know this is an invisible experience depression anxiety ptsd bipolar borderline schizophrenia everything and for her to have you know this idea to show people that this really does affect you physically is was really big of her and you know, I hear, you know, what you're saying when, you know, people put out these personas and my life is so perfect, whatever. And I went on social, bla- social media blackout for two years. And whenever I started We Are No Alamo last year, I realized that I had to dig back into social media and it's helped, you know, spread the word um, a little bit. I tried... I've stopped. I stopped, you know, running Facebook ads because it's not about Facebook anymore. It's about me going out and finding people who are willing and ready to open up, you know, just like yourself. And um, there was also this movement, you know, No Social Media Day. But then a lot of people were like, "But I only found out about it on social media, you right. know." And the whole thing, the movement now is. What are we using social media for? You know, is it for a public good? Is it for awareness? Or do we really need that? Or do we need more personal interaction? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: We 100% need more personal interaction. Yeah. Um, I will start up conversations with strangers in mm-hmm. public just to kind of see what they're about. Yeah.
0: And how do you do that? Like approaching somebody... And starting this really deep conversation, do you just say, "Hey, are you okay?" My name is like, what? What's going on? How do you start so, that conversation? You know,
1: that's something also that varies person by person. Maybe they have a book that looks interesting, and I. Um, you
0: just talk to people in the library, but the librarians hate you. I don't know,
1: wherever it may be. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> uh, but you know, maybe it's something I ask them about, or maybe they have. Um, you know, a patch on their jacket or, or bag or something and say, well, what's that about? Uh, maybe they're crying. I have literally approached strangers in tears and just asked if I could do anything to help them. That, and then you, yes. you know, maybe that conversation right there helped that person. That's what I like to think, at least. If you don't take anything away from this, if one thing I say here resonates with you personally, then that's great. That's That's kind of the whole point of me having this conversation here with right. Paige and uh, and doing this. so And it's
0: yeah. not scary. People aren't scary. You know, and I've had to learn that. I mean, growing up, well, to an extent, there are some scary people out there. Have you seen my place? Believe it or not, there are some scary people out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I remember my sister growing up was afraid of talking to my grandfather's. Because they were old and she didn't understand what, how to talk to such an adult. You know what I mean? And luckily, on my end, I was a little bit older. So I did ask those questions. And I did understand that, you know, my grandfather was in World War II and had shrapnel in his arm. And so you couldn't, like, hug him on that side. And for my sister hearing that there's a foreign object in this man that's already scary to her, that's a lot and now that I am older and they've passed, I wish that I could, you know, talk to them again because now that I'm older I know the right questions to ask and I'm still learning about you know, what are those right questions, what am I trying to bring when I'm talking to this person and making sure, you know, they're not triggered, I'm not triggering them, um, and figure out like what can actually help. Is there a point in your conversations with people where you realize that there's light back in their eyes and that what you said, they needed it no matter what it was?
1: Well, let me just use the word triggered. I actually hate the word triggered. Okay. It triggers me. No. Um, so I hate, I hate I like the fact that. that we live in a society where everything has to be so PC because we might trigger someone. I like I, this. I hate I hate it in the sense that it really limits people from being able to communicate. How do you We are we are so afraid that what we may say may spark controversy mm-hmm. that I think we just don't have real conversations. I've seen this since getting back into dating, I've seen it in internal conflicts with friends. I've seen it with my parents. Um, people would rather avoid the confrontation than address the problem.
0: or maybe and then, even avoid the emotional part that they will experience and you you're not not there. I just want to like have this um, you know dermal, level conversation with you kind of thing. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much... um, I feel like I'm very much an empath. So I have a lot of people that have confided very traumatic or important things within me uh, that we've, we've talked about and worked through. I'm in no ways a therapist. However, I guess for some... Some folks that I know it's it's easier than than going to see somebody, and I love that because teach
0: their own right
1: correct, yeah, that has worked out for me as well because now I have someone else that I can confide in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and talk through but the whole um back to like the whole triggered thing it's just. There is an overall lack of genuine communication. I think people, especially in the last couple of years, um, with all the political disagreements without going down that rabbit hole uh, that we have with one another. Mm Mm-hmm. We've we've gone from trying to work through our problems just to pointing fingers and blame and making people really feel like shit. Right. Um It's
0: your fault I'm acting this
1: way. Correct. You the problem is you. You have this, you have that. Um when real you know, in reality everyone has their own stuff. But well, they have their own
0: things going on. Yeah. For you, do you ever feel like You wish someone would ask you more how you're doing? Because the feeling I get when I interview a lot of people, especially people who, you know, extend service to others because, you know, it helps somebody. Who's looking after Carter? Who's checking in on Carter?
1: I'm very blessed to have... pretty strong friend group that Good. people from all sorts of walks in life. I, so, so often I see these people that only hang out with a handful of folks that look like them, do the exact same thing as they do. And I just wonder how fulfilling that is right, for them. And I, and I feel so fortunate that I have so many friends from so many different places and, it's great. It's just this melting pot of everyone that, that brings their own uniqueness to the table. And that's why I like it. I have with, with all that said, I've got, um, yeah, I got a few people that every now and then randomly will just say, Hey, what's going on with you today? Or, Hey, how are you? Or, um, you know, they'll they'll just check in. You want to go grab some dinner and, and just catch up and talk about some stuff. Right. Yeah.
0: How Sometimes
1: that may mean they have things they'd like I to know. get off their chest. And <laughs> that's cool, too, though, because either way, I'm going to benefit on my end from that.
0: I remember the word. Yes. Altruistic.
1: Altruistic. Yes. That's the word. Some
0: people say altruism is a myth, but I don't believe that anymore.
1: Yeah it's it's alive and well in yeah. 2019
0: 2019 <laughs> <laughs> and when uh, i i don't know how to pronounce but when do you feel the most okay or the most happy the most proud of yourself where does that come from
1: probably ironically i feel that way When I am most vulnerable.
0: Okay. Like today?
1: Today's all right.
0: Today's all right.
1: (laughs) I've had a few... uh, uh, I don't I had a conversation with a good friend of mine last week. Uh, We went out and just kind of caught up. And I opened up to this person about some things I had never told anyone that I had been going through. And it really... It was, it was kind of hard because these were emotions that I had kept harbored and had kind of dropped hints before to my parents and had never, I don't know if they just didn't realize the severity of things um, and what all that entailed, but to be able to get everything out for the first time and just to be completely honest Mm-hmm. And and just for instance... Um,
0: yes, please.
1: Yeah. Can so I, yeah. no one fucking talks about suicide. Uh, no you. one wants to talk about the fact they have thoughts of killing themselves because the shit just got too hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was there. Um, <laughs> I was totally there. I, I laid in bed many nights earlier this year and and just cried because... I was in such despair with so many different situations in life, and constantly these thoughts would just come in, you know, well, what if you what if you just killed yourself?" or what if you
0: been there, buddy? You know, Definitely what, hear you.
1: Everyone has those. I, the more people I talk to, I have not met someone that doesn't. However, this goes back to that whole social stigma, and this is what really sucks about being open about your mental health is that while everyone may think these things, talking about it labels you. Yes. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> it It just makes you, oh, well, this suicidal person or. Can't you know, have you
0: in my life. You're going to spread that ideation on me, man.
1: Right. You know, this, this person's crazy. This person's fucked up. Well, you know, everybody is, that's the reality is, is don't let anybody get you down. If you, if you open up to someone and you get this look back that they are in disbelief or you feel threatened or you feel that they are not taking you seriously.
0: And you can feel that pretty damn quick too.
1: You can uh, talk to somebody else. Don't don't let one person's experience.
0: Make you feel like yours is less than
1: right. And don't don't continue to harbor those feelings. Get those feelings out, because through getting those feelings out and through having those conversations and making yourself vulnerable, it's fucking uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that was the easiest conversation I've had. No, That was a very hard conversation to have. And I sat there. what felt like an eternity in pause before I even dove into this with her. And um, looking back, I'm really glad I got it out because there's other things that we forget in the heat of the moment that someone can put in perspective for you in that time. Um, But definitely, definitely don't hold those in. Don't let society tell you that there's something wrong with you for feeling that way. You need to get that out and uh and talk to somebody
0: because it helps. It really does help. It does help, and it makes people you know realize that they're not alone. And since you were, I'm going to say, finally um, able to open up to somebody, why did that take you so long?
1: So I'd kind of hinted I. I had some lighter conversations with some other people. Um, I know a few people who deal with some depression and um, some other just overall mental health, and every now and then we kind of trade some war stories, and if it's...
0: War stories. I like that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's, uh, That's a good way to put it, I guess. But, you know, we've had smaller conversations, but even... Even with those people, I was not quite ready to just uh, just really lay it all out there for it. Um, my parents, I
0: <laughs> yeah, that's um, a big example. Obviously.
1: Yeah, so talking to your parents about things like that really can really be intimidating. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to sit there and, and say. I'm in such a situation that fucking killing myself would probably be a better idea.
0: Than having to live through this pain right now. Or forever.
1: Yeah, not and, and really with my situation, it wasn't even so much pain. It was just this overwhelmingness of having multiple life events occurring at one time and just kind of weighing on me with so many uncertain factors. Do you mind like
0: giving examples? I know that it's it's
1: hard, um, yeah, and then these things the f- fucked up thing about this it's funny uh, also I guess uh, is this is not these may not be things to other people they may look at this and go, wow that that dude's life is totally cool, what's he thinking about but when you have you know different things set for yourself, different things that are set in place, um i I tell you the main one was. For the longest time, housing. Uh, I had, had a set date that we had to be out of our current lease, my daughter and I. And okay. Every time we we thought we were getting places, it, it was just up in the air, we would lose them, uh, we'd get beaten to them, things of this nature. And It got down to the wire where we had about 11, 12 days to actually find a place. Um, and that weighed on me for the entire months of that process, because there was a very specific need of what we were looking for when moving, you know, it wasn't just a let's rent an apartment again type situation. There was a very, there were things needed. So, so business could continue as it does. And, you know, she could have her, her space and individuality. I could have mine. There's just kind of a lot of factors into play. Uh, at the end of the day, if we had to have gotten somewhere temporarily, of course we could have. You had that option somewhere. That option, I would have made it work. It just also added to the stress of knowing that then you would be moving multiple times and, you know, once to get in a temporary spot and then maybe a month or two later. Um, have to pick but, up again. But to have all this up in the air... Had it just been me, I probably would have been fine. Right. To have been promising your child that you're providing for who looks up to you like your God. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: basically what you
1: are. To, you, to essentially, her. that is what you are to a child. And then to have things up in the air and, and keep showing her these places and then losing places, and it's just, I think it broke me when, I've I promised her a dog when we got into the house Aww. and she made a comment and throughout this whole process, of course, she's seven. She has no clue what I've gone through to get right. us to any of these places, but she commented one time and said something to the degree about getting a dog. She, something about when we got the dog, if we ever get a house. Wow. And I just broke down in tears and and tried to as best explain to a seven-year-old that dad's trying. Yeah. And then this, I think it was that day that this just overwhelming sense of failing as a parent hit me. Okay. And I rode that shit out for a while. And that's... Uh,
0: I'm sure a lot of parents feel that too, you know. That's a very... Sense of failure. I can't speak because I don't have kids on that, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a a feeling you never want to feel as a parent.
0: Right. But I'm guessing it happens all the time. Like when we were speaking before about you having to look out for yourself also while being responsible for another life. And in a way... I feel, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, I feel that you are teaching her that there are just things in life that sometimes don't work out, but you know what? You still have me as your father. You never truly lose everything unless, you know, you complete suicide. Then you've lost everything. You've lost your life. So from her saying, if we get a house, I, that's huge for a kid because she's learning how to accept life changes. Is, is that an accurate describe?
1: I think she was just getting frustrated with the fact that we had been looking and she had gone to look at houses. So actually, uh, it's funny, she never saw the house that we ended up moving into. Okay. Until we moved into it and uh her room was put together because I was damn sure <laughs> that we were there. I was there. not gonna disappoint that child again. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know if so much that would be an example of her dealing with the reality that sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. I think that was just pure frustration on her part because she'd heard us talking about it. We looked at these homes, all this stuff. Um And that's, that's just, that's hard to, hard to see, you know, in your child.
0: Did, I mean, there, I really don't know how to ask this question because I'm not a parent. Are there, (laughs) are there expectations that you have as a parent as for raising your child and for how they think and perceive the world? And if that, you know idea doesn't come to fruition somehow how you've planned it in your mind do you pull that blame game on yourself
1: it's uh that's a loaded question so the loaded answer it, it. loaded answer um as far as expectations for her and how she is raised I am very, very much building independence within her, letting her be her own person uh, from smaller scales of, you know, what clothes she gets dressed in to bigger picture of of just not kind of doing what they, I guess now the term is helicopter parenting. Um, I've
0: never heard that. What is helicopter parenting? I've heard of uh, uh, tiger moms or whatever.
1: Maybe it's about the same, but it's essentially pussifying your kids. I mean, I don't know a better way to say it. It's, you know, you, you, I'll just create a word. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it does. But not letting them be themselves, keeping such tight rein on them, uh, babying, whatever term you want to use to it, but really just kind of crushing their individuality. And my daughter and I are very fortunate in the fact that let me let me just cut myself off and say you know maybe that line of parenting works for some people that just personally is not my choice uh and and you're does not, not work for us you're not judging anybody here so yeah we're not going to knock any any helicopter moms out there keep doing what you're doing maybe fly a little higher but you know
0: <laughs> set set your eyes <laughs> on the skies <laughs> i love it so when did you realize like that's not your parenting style that's just not it you want to you know, instill this thing in her. And where I'm going with that is what I'm hearing is that you are building the self-awareness in your daughter at a very young age and you've experienced anxiety and depression. And it took you a while to be able to, you know, put words on it and describe what you're feeling and know that there's help out there. If I had had the opportunity to understand what depression and anxiety were at a younger age, um, then maybe it wouldn't have gotten to the point where, you know, I was involuntarily hospitalized. Um, but then again, on the other side of the coin, if you haven't experienced that and you don't talk about it or whatever, or, you know, some parents will put their kids on medication if you know, they see something wrong or think something's wrong. Where I, it's my hope that growing up, there will be this awareness sometimes that if it's okay to not be okay, that there's always gonna be someone there for you to talk about it.
1: I don't remember your original question. Um, Basically, I, if
0: you talk to your kids more about these. Mental thoughts that they're having, or you know what seasonal depression is, or if they're watching, you know, a friend or a family member knowing that they can't get off the couch, knowing that it's hard for them to go to the store, you know, let alone get out of the house.
1: So I'll I'll loop back into that. One thing I wanted to hit on before I forget is you talked about you know putting the kids on medication and stuff. Right. Again, not a doctor. Personal thoughts. I'm not all about that. I feel like medication for extremely young children is a cop out for lazy parenting at times. At times, Uh, kids are rough, man. They are (laughs) they're not easy. No, you know they're wild, they're rambunctious. That's just how their little minds are wired. That's how they are. That it doesn't necessarily mean they have ADD and they need you know, Adderall, Ritalin, and whatnot. also doesn't mean they're depressed at age 6 or 8 or 10. Right. You know, kids are... Kids. Kids are resilient, but they're also... They get sad. They have things in life that bother them. The more you speak to them, the more you talk to them and are open and have actual conversations, same with adults, Mm -hmm. the more breakthrough you will see and potentially a change in that behavior and mindset within them. My daughter and I have conversations to the degree of issues that you and I are discussing here. I've always treated her as a peer. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a result, (laughs) she knows a lot more about things that most kids her age probably don't. Some may call that a good thing, some may call it a bad thing.
0: I call but, it a good
1: thing, but you know, you know, it adds them. it adds to who she is, it adds to her own ability to process her thoughts and experiences and emotions. I think that's one of the biggest things that with children excuse me, with children today, we don't allow them to feel. We almost stifle their emotions in a to a degree because We don't want to deal with it. You know, why are you sad? I'm sad because of this. Oh, well, it'll be all right. Put a mandate on it. (laughs) No, let's talk about it. You know, you're sad because this person said that to you. Why do you think they said that to you? Well, I don't know, Dad. You're teaching her how to
0: process these emotions. Correct.
1: You know, what do you think we can do about the way this made you feel? You know, maybe... A great example is my daughter told me one of her classmates called another classmate trash. Wow. I can't wrap my head around (laughs) six-year-olds at the time knowing that, like, what the fuck is this kid's home life look like where they know or they think it's okay to call a person trash at six?
0: And to probably know exactly what they were saying Correct. and why they were saying it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel bad um, for whatever circumstance in that child's life gave them the opportunity to think that was okay. But things like that, you know, and then I get the question, why do you think she said that? I think she said that because she's heard it somewhere before. It's an extremely not nice thing to call someone. Right. You know, do you do you ever look at your friends and think they're as valuable as trash? No. Cool. Okay. Don't call them that. Right. So it's it can be very simple conversations. Sometimes they're more in-depth and drawn out and bigger things are well, of course. discussed. But I, I really feel that these deep conversations with her promote her own individuality and also somewhat give her, don't want to label as coping mechanisms, but somewhat gives her, it adds to her toolbox of things to pull from for future instances, I would Mm say.
0: And I have a similar thing. It's called dear man, you know, describe, express, assert, reinforce, um, maintain like your morality and ethics And then uh, A, I forget what it was. And then in is negotiate. And negotiation does not always equal agreement. You just come to a place where you have done everything you can to process, you know. And it's a skill that's learned instead of a coping mechanism, I think. And since you're teaching, and you can always say I'm wrong, that since you're teaching your child at a young age to critically think for herself and observe and care, I think that's a really good lesson that, you know, I hope people take away from this episode. You know, it starts at a young age. You were able to, you know, find friends that you can, you know, openly talk about these hard things like suicide and depression and that's definitely going to help her later on.
1: Yeah. I also think that, um, and, and this just, this doesn't just apply to children. As humans, we compare ourselves a lot to other people, True. Uh, whether it be the home we're in, the job we have, the vehicle we drive, um, how much money's in the bank. We're, you know, I think it's, it's kind of in our wiring to compare, um, and that's, that's a very dangerous thing to do because that can produce all sorts of emotions that can produce characteristics of greed, uh, that can produce, you know, envy, Mm -hmm. jealousy, um, more importantly, though, for your mental health, it can produce these feelings of inadequacies and shortcomings because you're not as as good as someone else. I used to uh, <laughs> I laugh because I, I forget who I told this story to the other day, but throughout college, my mom always used to compare me to my best friend from high school.
0: Okay. that's Why
1: can't you be more like so-and-so?
0: Oh, and
1: man. the reality is my buddy went on to get his masters and uh you know well, he's he's got this good job why why can't you blah 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 wow he fucking cheated his way through his masters <laughs> And have so, heard uh, that in the news <laughs> before lately? <laughs> no, no, very openly. How did he do
0: that? I have two of those. I just can't yeah. even imagine how the hell you would do that.
1: No, it's easier in engineering. There's a lot of engineers <laughs> out there that don't know <laughs> shit, but no <laughs> offense to the engineers of listening. Uh, but it was just kind of funny because I got this. I got this comparison, and then one day... I just had enough, I said, you know this dude cheated his way through getting his master's. would you rather me have have been doing it the honest way and just gone this route or you know the the pedestal you're you're trying to put him up on is painted
0: accurate
1: right, but that kind of that uh that comparison situation just you know can drive you nuts if you let it get under your skin, and that also ties back into the social media, just seeing all, I, th- I think social media is going to be kind of the downfall of society if it isn't already. It's
0: starting there. Yeah. <laughs> starting to get there, I think. It's already there, maybe. Um, and I'll speak on that a little more. The comparison part, um, when did you realize that that was an actual thing for you experiencing that with social media? I guess, do you, you have the penury? you know, your business, you use Instagram, you like use these platforms. Um, how involved are you in that now?
1: Instagram's really funny in the sense that I just got on there a couple of years ago. I mean, I was a little late to that party, but you still showed up.
0: Party showed, showed up when you got
1: there. Uh, so I did some modeling work here in town. And part of the deal a few years back was you had to build up an Instagram following this. The particular agency I was with wanted you to have at least 5,000 followers so you could book bigger paying jobs so right. they can make more money. And um, I've heard that
0: in order to have like an actual social movement thing, you have to have at least 30,000 followers. Right. So your agency was probably trying to get you up there. Yeah. So how did you do that?
1: a lot of shameless self-promotion mm-hmm. and it's kind of, it's really weird because I'd go back home and see my, my friends and family in Tennessee and these people are like, Oh, what is it you're doing out there in Austin? You know, you're you a model out there and all this stuff. And
0: no, I just grew my hair out and I'm tall <laughs> for no reason. Um, how do you do a man bun, Carter? What? How do you do a man bun? People at the coffee shops want to know. It's a joke.
1: Right? It. <laughs> Commit to the uh, hair. But anyway, so you had to you had to build this following up, and you built the following by posting pictures of yourself uh, using all twenty nine or thirty hashtags, whatever the limit was then, and really just shamelessly selling yourself. I mean, you're essentially whoring yourself out on, on social media. And, um, you know, I played the game for a little while and I think it was sometime last year. It just hit me that, that's, that's not working. That's not who I am. Um, the funny thing is people that hung out with me in real life still, They'd see this one thing on, uh, on Instagram and then they'd party with me at a show or something. They're just like, wow, that's, you know, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> this it's contradictory the- lifestyle. <laughs> but, you know, it's all bullshit anyway because you're all just getting paid to sit there and smile or not smile. And got to eat. And do, uh, you know, do what, what they tell you to do. But
0: Do you want me to shout out the Penneries Instagram? No, that's okay. Okay. y'all can figure it out.
1: um but yeah, so using social media now, pretty much the only reason I still have Instagram is because I have family and friends who like to keep up with my kiddo. That's nice. and so really the the pictures have shifted from uh the modeling stuff to us, yeah you know? um. The important things. Yeah, cool things like kayaking together, or th- things of that nature. And I've often wondered, so it's, <laughs> I feel like these influencers who are just pushing products, locations, all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's just so shallow. Is it vapid? Is that the word I'm looking for? It can yeah, be. same thing as shallow. What, word did you make up? Vapid. Presocrates. I, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's just not reality. And so I've tried offering to, nothing that is stimulating
0: or challenging. What's that? Offering nothing that is
1: yeah. Stimulating it's vapid. Or challenging.
0: Yeah. Good job.
1: Yeah. Look at look at a picture of me eating a burger. Uh, because I just got paid fifty dollars in gift cards to do this and promote this place. Love it. So, I've thought about the social media aspect and trying to figure out how, how I could use mine to do good. Mm -hmm. And I've not come up with anything yet. I've actually given a good bit of thought to this. Um, I don't have a lot of followers. I don't think like, I don't even know, but some people are in other countries, you know? And so maybe if you could start, something positive and use your social media reach to really promote positivity as opposed to just products, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we could be on to something with that. And there's people out there doing that. I just haven't really figured out
0: where they are if I
1: want to devote my time to do that Mm -hmm. because I, I really I'm on Facebook, but I don't utilize it. It just became the biggest time waster and political bullshit I've ever seen. So it's Facebook is just like an arguing platform for most people, I think these days. And it became that
0: statement Mm -hmm.
1: became highly depressing every time I got on there. So I just stopped. Um, And and life's been so much better. Thank you for saying that.
0: Yes, I feel the same way. Um, I mean, people. Showcasing, you know, their accomplishments or whatever, that's great. But reach out to, you know, the people who matter the most to you and shout that out to them. And, you know, it's all this is, I'm only speaking on my behalf because that to me is way more genuine and means way more to me than getting likes. You know what I'm saying? So my Facebook page, is for wanna, you know? Um, thousands of friends on there. But all that is is because I care about every one of you, even if I don't, you know, message you. I try to make sure that when you share your stories that you are feeling validated and it's not just a platform that I'm going to and scrolling because I want it to be a place for positive interaction, you know what I mean? And it sounds like you're in the same boat, I guess.
1: Yeah, without without going um, into politics, I guess, for me...
0: You can totally go into the politics yeah.
1: if you want. Nobody wants to hear my views on that. <laughs> I can cut it out. <laughs> but it seems like the theme for politics lately has been both sides doing exactly what they hate about the other side.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Uh, people claiming others are intolerant while then in turn being intolerant of them. I like that point. And that's that's so something I, where we've lost this acceptance, We've and maybe not even so much acceptance, because there are things in the world that are wrong that you should stand up for. However there are more constructive ways of going about it than to just lambast one another on social media or to basically, you know, disagree with one side but yet practice the same behavior, but it's okay because your team's the one doing it and it's not them, and it just becomes this cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. And nothing gets accomplished. All we do is, is piss one another off. And, and we don't
0: all we do is win, win, win. It sounds like all we do is lose, lose, lose. Yeah,
1: no one wins in that situation. We've just right. create further put distance between ourselves and our fellow man and just creating this dissension, uh, growing it. So
0: right. we never you were speaking to your friend and finally being vulnerable about your Mental state and all of these things that you've experienced. Did that person come back and say, Thank you for sharing? Here's my story. You know, here's what I've been going through. I can connect. Or was that person more, I'm here to listen to you?
1: I think she was kind of both. Okay. She's pretty cool. It's cool. <laughs> Do you uh, mind? A real good, real good friend. Um,
0: do you mind giving an example as far as you're comfortable to what you were able to finally open up and talk about that you've been holding? Oh
1: yeah. Just suicidal thoughts. Honestly. I mean, that's, I uh, spoke on it earlier. Um, and that was something that, yeah, I, I did touch on the fact that it's something it's, it's real hard to talk to your parents about and I still haven't. Um, I phrase things a little bit differently for them okay. and would call, say, hey, I could really, you know, use some help going under out here or, you know, I'm not in a good place. And, and <laughs> you're, you're, you're tough. You'll get through it. Oh, fuck that. That's not what I need right now. Exactly. I don't think you get it short of me saying, hey, (laughs) someone come out here now.
0: Exactly. And someone come out here now. Where were you in that space when you literally, physically, where were you when you knew that you wanted to reach out, you needed to reach out, even if the ultimate reaction was not really helpful to you like when when did that happen
1: to my parents
0: no to you i guess let me rephrase physically where were you when you realized that something was wrong with this suicidal ideation this you know i really want to die
1: i mean i can put up with a lot of shit i've written out a lot of toxic relationships in my day (laughs) um But sometimes I think nothing's more toxic than the relationship you can have with yourself if you're not in the right mental state. Right. And I probably, I would say uh, without reaching out to anyone else, I wrestled with some feelings and emotions for a few months and just kind of reeled it back in and. You know, there was, never, there was never a time where an attempt was made to end my life, but like I said earlier, everyone has these thoughts, regardless of how great or how perfect their life looks. Everyone has thoughts of... I just want to kill myself. Or I just want to die I, because they, you, we can't handle and process things, and the threshold for everyone is completely different. But
0: yeah, and talking about it really does help, you know, reduce you know these suicidal ideation um, and also attempts. For every person who dies by suicide annually, there are another two hundred seventy-eight people who have seriously thought about. Attempting or or yeah, attempting suicide, but they end up not killing themselves and surviving an attempt. And nearly sixty of those, out of you know annual, they have survived a suicide attempt. So there are more people who are not talking about it who need to. And the, I'm getting this information from www.bethe12.com and that's b-e-t-h-e one t-o dot com and that's the number one and they their movement is hashtag be the one to spread the word about suicide prevention and taking action like you coming in and talking about this I hope it helps, I mean, talking about it helps save your life, right, ultimately. And I hope that you sharing this story will also help others know
1: that they're, like, really not alone. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't go do anything now. I've told all your listeners about it. Um, But, yeah, not, not to make light of it, though, I would highly encourage anyone who tunes in for this podcast, if you made it this far, um... You know, if, if you're dealing with these thoughts and these feelings, I know I harped on it earlier, but it is so important for working through them. You're not alone. Uh, this shit gets everybody. It does. And and it doesn't discriminate. So...
0: Oh, I like how you said that. It doesn't discriminate.
1: Yeah. Well, it doesn't. I mean, it affects everyone regardless of race, religion, walks of life, all that stuff, gender. I mean, anybody will be affected by this. And find someone. Uh, I've I've got friends who can't talk about things with their parents at all because of extenuating circumstances. I've got people who have shared things that they can't speak to their spouse about, Um you know, you've you've got you've just got to find your person. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, if you talk to someone and they flip out and they choose to, I don't know, not handle it in a way that you would want them to or expect them to, uh, I had to learn a long time ago not to hold expectations to anyone. You will yes. always be let down, mm-hmm. always because um, you can't
0: control other people's
1: actions. You cannot. And then you can go friend shopping
0: and it's okay. You just find someone else to talk to. It's fine. What's interesting?
1: Well, the interesting thing is that your version of yourself only exists to you. Every other person you encounter in your life creates a separate version of who you are. So you have to find that person that really grasps that and grasps who you are and you're comfortable with um well once you do i i can promise you you know it'll be eye opening to be able to be that open with someone um you know in my instance preferably not a family member that right. there's no real ties like that to um i know family can be a depressing thing for a lot of people out there it can be a big anxiety as well so
0: and your depression and anxiety might be affecting them in a way that pushes them away. I mean,
1: right, especially if they don't know what to do, which you know some people don't.
0: It happens. It really does. And I like that you know, you said you can't blame them for that. You just got to go search somewhere else, and that's okay. Um, personally, with you know my family situation, I'm so grateful to my mother. For over the past, well, since I was 26, when I you know really realized that I needed help and there was help out there, and there are just so many resources, um, for the longest time, it was difficult for us to talk about because neither of us understood, and there was a lot of yelling, a lot of arguing, a lot of unhealthy communication. And I think now we are finally in a place where she understands and accepts it. And luckily, you know, she lives in Austin. She's been on podcasts before. Check out Structures, Bomb, Call Your Mom. Um, But then a lot of other people in my family, they haven't either have had the mindfulness or the willpower or emotional capacity or, you know, we live in different states. You know, everyone's scattered. Whatever the reason may be, you know, shout out to my family. I just know that I still love them. And on some level, they still love me just in a way that I've had to accept that this is our new normal. So I really do hear you when, you know, you went to the people who were closest to you who should know you the best. And your way of asking for help wasn't incorrect it just was I think too different for them to understand is that a fair statement maybe I'm just projecting because oh, that's yeah. fine
1: I think um I think being a single parent they're they they think I can take a lot and to a degree I can but we all, have our, to. we all have our breaking point, you know. Right. And um, I think that was just, I, I, see, I see depression in both my parents in various different forms.
0: Can you give an example? Um, just because I think it's important for people to, you know, look at this and here are some external signs, even though you can't really see what's going on with them.
1: I guess the first would be really if someone only has anything negative to say, you know, pretty much about anything, um, which is a, kind of why I said earlier take it with a grain of salt because I may I may throw some personal opinions out there, but you know the goal of this is to, Open is to 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 help people. Uh, I I mean they're not going to listen to this but i would rather not i guess go into personal examples of them totally but i can fine. just say i can just say there's external factors in life that have pushed both of them into depressive states right and um, it's not related to my brother okay. at all um it's other things
0: your brother sounds like his spirit is just fine
1: <laughs> he's pretty rowdy, <laughs> so.
0: I love that. I'm happy your daughter gets to experience, you know, an uncle like that. Despite physical whatever, he's still there. Yeah. And great. Think, you know, what higher power that he is still here to be a solid influence on your daughter and to you too. I mean, I feel it's definitely influenced you growing up. Where you know you just want to help. But you've also learned that you need to, you know, make sure that you're taking care of yourself, too. And I have a question that I wrote down. I'm just going to pause this. Okay. What has been become different in your life since you've experienced suicidal ideation and depression and anxiety?
1: I'd say the biggest thing has just been to I've tried to channel that energy on finding my purpose
0: Mm. because
1: I feel like those thoughts have entered due to uncertainties right And so, you know, it's not going to necessarily fix the problem to to find your purpose. I don't think we, I don't think we ever fully find our purpose. You know, we never stop growing up. We never stop learning. We I
0: agree. I love that.
1: Continue on, and your purpose may change throughout life, and that's fine. Maybe it was one thing at this point in time. Maybe maybe you go
0: to school and get all A's and get married and whatever, and then realize. Okay, that was my perceived purpose. Now what do I do for myself? What am I what's my purpose here? And going back to um the homeless population, can you offer our listeners some resources out there that you've learned, you know, helping out with the homeless population in Austin or even a, you know, a lesson, a big lesson you've learned?
1: Yeah, I can try, but I do want to what we were just talking on, the last thing I wanted to say on that is that, you know, most of the time, those feelings that we get of anxiety, despair, depression, they stem from us not being happy with ourselves somewhere. Okay. So, if you're if you are willing to put the work in on yourself and to, or in a place where you're comfortable doing that. Because that's not a place where everyone is, Mm -hmm. you know. Sometimes you got to go through the shit to get there. Right. Um, But that's, I think that for me personally, that's what needed to happen. I needed to kind of find what I wasn't happy with with myself um, and why these external factors were weighing in so much.
0: Affecting you so deeply.
1: Yeah. I mean, they legitimately were. Um, so when you find that and you start to kind of make the make the change in that and you know do the work there it it can it starts to kind of turn upwards for you at least it did for me so Good. um homeless resources in austin i don't know i uh <laughs> oh this is great I was actually uh This may be frowned upon, but for a while there I was pre-rolling joints and giving them to homeless people mm-hmm. as a way just to kind of brighten their day. And a lot of them were very receptive to it. Some okay. people may frown upon that and say, well, it's encouraging drug use. It's uh, encouraging- I mean,
0: it's legal in however many states, no. and I'm yeah. advocate of medical marijuana. Sorry, everybody who thinks that's not kosher. However, it does help with depression. It does. And if it, what did Robin Williams say? He's like, all I remember with weed is like happy and frosted flakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> so all, all I know is the smiles on their faces as they received these right. were, uh, were pretty awesome. But, <laughs> you know, I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time giving them money. I have before. Right. I guess the irony is somebody's going to probably think oh he'll give him weed but he won't buy him a beer. But, okay. You know, <laughs> you won't hey, give To teach their own um <laughs> alcohol damn near killed me so I'm I'm fine with sharing the other one. Um you know, I've the bus situation. That was I met this guy sleeping on the corner of 6th Street and Lamar, which for those of you who are not in town is an extremely busy corner. It's uh next to the whole foods I think world headquarters or something that's I don't know it's the corporate office I know that much right but I asked him why he was parked there and uh why, why he posted up and he said it was because homeless people in Austin were getting killed by gang members and he felt safe because he had multiple different cameras on that corner so I went into this diner right there and got him something to eat and came back out and uh got to having this conversation with this guy who was from Houston. And usually, you know, you can get a feel if somebody's trying to fish for money or or just for help. We got to talking and I said, Hey, if you had the ways and means to get back to Houston, would you have a better shot at getting your life back to the place where you want it to be? And kind of regrouping, do you have anybody there you could rely on that will help you? Mm -hmm. This person did. And so we sat down. I bought him a megabus ticket there, and then, you know, he, he was back in Houston the next day.
0: That's great.
1: And well, was it good for him? Is I
0: that- would
1: like to think it was better than him living on the streets here. There
0: you go.
1: I, okay. I can't know for sure, but the situation he described in Houston sounded way better. And as eager as he was to leave Austin, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think. It was probably better for him. Good. I've uh, I helped a woman out one time that had been abused by a man, and um, didn't see her for months—right, like four months. I'm driving down the road and she's walking in scrubs because she had just gotten out of the hospital. Wow,
0: I'm not Uh, laughing. I've just experienced that. Yeah, As being like I went to Austin Lakes Hospital twice, one involuntary, one voluntary. And I I don't I don't say these poor homeless people, these people who come into the hospital, sometimes they don't have shoes and they don't have insurance and they give them these scrubs. And when they're done, they just kick them out, basically. And I've seen people Mm -hmm. leave the hospital without shoes.
1: It's almost like a drunk tank which is really oh, fucked up. tell me about it.
0: I was in that drunk tank involuntarily, kept me overnight, no sharp objects, whatever, just a hole in the floor and a bathroom, whatever. Um, in my opinion, something needs to change there because if you are already needing help and they throw you in a crate and don't allow you to see people for a while until you're quote-unquote stable enough to go into another part of the hospital, it just blows my mind.
1: Yeah, isolation is extremely dangerous for people who are dealing with any sort of mental health issues. Um, I I know of people who tend to isolate themselves when they get depressed, and you can really see kind of night and day from when they've gone that route or they've chosen to actually come hang out and, uh, and try and be social. Usually it's, you know, more positive for them to be social. But the isolating aspect of things with your mental health is, you know, you're already down on yourself. You're already oh, definitely. feeling alone. And then you you want to further grow those feelings by removing yourself. And I'm not saying it's not good to take a break. There's... <laughs> There's Friday nights, I stay at home and I read, you know, and that's... But yeah,
0: there's nothing wrong with that.
1: I'm cool with that. If I want to go to bed at 7.30, I can. Uh, and I'm not going to miss anything. We, we hear the phrase FOMO these days and, you Fear know, that's of another thing. out. What's that? Fear of missing out. Yeah, that's another thing that uh, social media is great at. Yeah. And it just kind of... You know, we we see these cool things, these experiences, blah, 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 and we're not there Um yet. Well, yeah, or, you know, we can't make all these things. We can't go to all these things. And the reality, I guess going where I was going with that, mm-hmm. got a little sidetracked there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the FOMO disappears eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fine to do things solo. It's great to do. I, I look at staying home or going to bed early as a form of self-care for myself because I know if I am operating, if I'm run ragged and I'm operating on low sleep or have just felt pulled in too many different directions, yeah, you know, I don't give a shit what's going on in the world, who's trying to get me to go out. I'm probably going to stay home yeah, and just regroup because I know... At this point, that's what's best for me. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and don't be afraid so to miss
1: cool. out on anything. Uh, you know, because you're number one. Your mental you health number one. You have to put yourself.
0: And first. I would like to suggest a book I'm reading right now. It's called "Hyperbole and a Half: Unfortunate Situations, Flawed Coping Mechanisms, Mayhem, and Other Things That Happened" by Ali Broch, or Broch, Allie Brosh. Brosh. A L L I E brush b-r-o-s-h and basically it's a graphic novel of Let's how go, <laughs> <laughs> and with a lot of other things um, that's cool about you know how people perceive your feelings and how you perceive your feelings and what i mean by that it's kind of like oh, you have diabetes, why don't you just get over it? You don't need that insulin. You'll be fine. It's like, oh, take this medicine. You'll be fine. Stop being depressed, you know? Or I know your bone's broken, but maybe you should just let it, you know, do its own thing. And maybe it'll work itself out. It's like, no, you know, this is real. People really need help. Um, so what book are you reading right now?
1: So right now, um, th- this uh, this book you just recommended looks pretty good. You can borrow but it if you I want. I may have to do a little reading in that. Definitely. Um, Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And the kind of the gist of it is how we are communal people. We need other people. We need our tribe, uh, (laughs) as the title states, but you know, there's some very interesting scenarios that he's researched and and he, and he puts out there. And one of the ones that really grabbed my attention, well, there's, there's two I can think of just immediately. Um, this guy, it's a a very interesting read for me because he's actually a, uh, like a war vet, which... I would have never picked this book up probably and just thought, well, I don't want to hear anything about that, but yeah, it's not about that. Um, he covers so much ground just on social interactions and things of that nature. There is a story where I guess people were fleeing Serbia and this girl had become injured. She'd lost a limb. I forget if it was a leg or an arm. Um, because it's been a mess It was something since I've read it.
0: important to her Correct. body.
1: <laughs> and so then she gets out of Serbia, and this girl snuck back in the country just to be with her family because they couldn't get out. Wow. And that was just kind of one of the examples of how strong the bond is within your tribe, if you will. And, um, you know, that there's, there's things that people do for other people. Um, you know, she wanted to be with her family. Right, she wasn't at home elsewhere, and that's that's pretty cool. I found that real amazing. Another interesting thing I picked out from there, (laughs) which really resonates because it's where I am in life. um, Statistically, Caucasian males, middle aged, are the highest numbers of are the bring the highest rate of suicide. Now that that was at the time of him writing this book. So that stat may not hold true now. Um, and he cited that pretty much to just kind of being in this rat race of, of always having to, to keep up with the Joneses, if you will, the, these inferior Feel feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there, there's a lot of pressure on everyone. Um, with that I agree but that just that just kind of hit me because that happens to be I mean I fit that demographic at the moment so
0: and I am so happy you brought that up because I've been really thinking a lot about you know my approach to people to like how are we going to um, talk about your story and you know what you want to bring across to people. I haven't really seen that a lot of the people that I've been interviewing lately have been men. And the one of the main things I hear is that I feel like I can't talk about this because I am supposed to be the strong one. I'm like not supposed to, you know, all these judgment statements... And then yeah. when you ask, like, oh, thank fucking God, you know, like, I can have feelings, word?
1: You have to kind of, it's it's a fine line because if you don't phrase it correctly, I guess you can be viewed as a man baby or someone that, uh, that plays a victim card, um, when in reality... Right you know, you've just carried this shit around and someone's finally asking you about it and you feel comfortable enough to let it loose. Right. But a lot of people don't... You know, one thing I've also had to accept is that I'm selective on who I open up to because I need to know they can handle it. I've opened up to people in the past and it's been viewed negatively because... Is it heavy, too heavy? Well, they're not they're not capable of it. And there's yeah. no no fault to them at all. They're just not capable of processing and kind of accurately receiving the information that I've entrusted in them. Mm-hmm. And so it does come across as oh well you know playing a victim card or complaining and in reality it's just like fuck i needed to vent and uh and tell somebody this shit yeah. because it's driving me nuts and i lost
0: such a good girlfriend of mine um we lived together we were married and then got divorced at the same time well we were married but you know She was married, then I got married, and then we both got divorced at the same time. She was diagnosed with bipolar as well at a similar time as me. And then I was going through a hard time, and I felt judged for the first time in my life when I was reaching out to one of my best friends. And that was harder than my divorce, You know, because you maybe people have become tired of it, become tired of being, you know, the person that you come and talk to. And I have had the same feelings as you. You know, maybe they're they might be um, open to talking about it, but maybe there's a point, there's a line. And so if anybody out there has experienced this. Open up to that friend or that person talking to you and say, you know, I really hear you and I really care about you or as much as you can offer Um, and then take a break if you need to. But please try not to judge that person and just leave them hanging. And you're right, Carter, if that's just not how they are, how they handle it, then let that go and radically accept.
1: Find a new friend. Exactly. There <laughs> are find, so find many people else to talk out to here. Though. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Email wearenoalamo at gmail dot com and come on on and tell us your story.
1: You know, I used to put my uh, my personal cell phone on Facebook posts because I've actually lost so many people to heroin back in Tennessee. It's it's crazy. I mean, I probably. 15 or twenty people I know I shouldn't have to count it on more than you know one hand but um yeah I mean I, that's I guess that's where social media can come into play as a positive you know I'll throw a post out there and drop my number on there hey if you're going through some shit or if you're if you're really struggling I don't care if we've talked yesterday I don't care if we've not talked in six years here's my number mm-hmm and I've actually had some people reach out that I hadn't heard from in a while. And it's been cool um, hearing from them. I, you know, they, they're still works in progress on their own right. journey, but I'd like to think that making yourself available to someone is really the first step um, in helping that way. And I mean, also kind of helping yourself, you know, you're, You're doing something good. You're getting positive feelings because.
0: You're actually putting yourself personally out
1: there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're still making yourself vulnerable in a way because don't, don't say that shit to somebody if you can't back it up, you know, don't, uh, don't half ass offer something like that. Mm -hmm. Be there for them. So
0: it's just like an AA. Um, we talked about that a little last week. Um, One of the myths was that, you know, sponsors run your life. But what I learned is, you know, a sponsor can be anyone, just like you putting your number out there and people calling you. That is a huge personal resource that you are selflessly providing others. And I'm happy to hear that they, you know, have accepted and taken that resource and that you are able to be there for them because somebody else might not have been.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we never know uh, what others are going through, so I I just feel that if we make ourselves available, um, we we just, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We just just need to communicate more, I think. We've lost that in a digital age, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of falling through the cracks. Because yeah. we don't we don't call we don't check on one another like we used to. It's just so easy to look at a picture and say, "Oh, that person's doing great." And and that person on could be getting married. Yeah, that person could be dying inside. Yeah. But, man, they sure look happy as shit in that photo. So mm-hmm. nice filter. Yeah. Um, well, to kind of wrap this
0: up, if you want to, is there anything else you want to share?
1: No, I think we've got it out. You
0: think you got it out? <laughs>
1: Unless you have more questions. Uh,
0: my, (laughs) I'm going to bring it back to the very beginning with the hinge and the Tinder and all the other dating at Bumble that I've done. So for my social media marketing, and it's so crazy that it's still even out there because I get emails, email, we are no Alamo gmail.com. Um, like, oh, I saw your ad on Tinder on Hinge or whatever. And I've only received one person who's like, stop fucking spamming this dating site. I'm like, well, you didn't have to swipe right, you know, all you had to do was just read it or not.
1: Are serious about that dating?
0: I know. I'm like, sorry, I'm just That's trying marriage to.
1: Like- material right there. I know.
0: <laughs> if you don't want to be part of this mission, We're just a box swipe of red flag. I know. But that was like the only negative experience I've had, one person. And I think it was a great idea. So I don't have to, you know have people scroll through through all this bullshit or whatever. It's um, like a passive way of inviting people like you into our tribe of speaking openly about mental health. And I'm happy that you're single. So that you were able to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, dating dating apps are another thing, too. Um, I hopped on them when I had the flu because <laughs> I was bored. I was tired of reading books. Who wants to make like, out? Wow, well, let's see what's out there. And um, uh, kind of the disheartening thing is I saw the same people that I saw in there when I actually legitimately used them about three years ago. Wow. Which... How did that make you feel like, well, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there's no hope. It just, it just kind of showed me, I I feel like this may be the same case in other cities as well, but I feel like there's a very broken dating scene in Austin. Um, I feel there's, there's a lot of, let's search for the next best thing here. Um, I could go on for a while. About that one, but there the danger too in these apps, my own personal observation is that it's almost like having too many streaming services available. You have thousands of people on either side, men, women, mm-hmm. whatever um your sexual preference may be, at your disposal in these apps. And then, so, you know, who knows, let's say someone may match all your qualification or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they share the same interest and you like them or you try and talk to them and they don't talk back to you and you're like, Oh man, what's wrong with that? Or what's wrong with me? Because we clicked on this, this, and this. Well, fuck it. At the end of the day, it's somebody you don't even know you haven't met. You know They don't owe you anything. You don't owe anything. No, no one anything. owes you anything, period. Right. That's that's something I have just had to accept in life. Uh and it's a realization I've come to kinda after putting that work in on myself because dating, I, I think it's great you kinda chose to bring this back up because I um you know, dating can be depressing as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right?
1: Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of people I know that are at different stages in life and I've been there before where I'm like, damn, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Um oh my God, you sound like a woman. <laughs> Hashtag feminism. Okay. I already have the child, so I'm <laughs> winning on that.
0: Note. Winning. Uh, I think you
1: are. No, but I mean I'm not getting any younger. Would it be nice to find someone to to just kind of be a life partner? Sure. Do I know for a fact that is what I want right now? Not necessarily. Uh, I think each person brings something unique and different to the table, and so you kind of have to play that out on an individual per-person basis. But the overall aspect of the dating scene, the dating game, it's exhausting for one, and then if things don't go the way you hope they would, it can leave you with questions uh, about, you What's know, wrong with me? What, what is wrong with me? And you know what? Probably I was, I was in an extremely toxic relationship for about two years. It, by far the worst relationship I've been in in my life. And I stayed drunk a lot of the time because getting blackout and going to a really dark negative space from the bottle... was better than dealing with the reality of that for me. And so it took cutting ties with that person and kind of the side result of that was also removing alcohol from my life um, to kind of get the clarity that I needed to know that, you know, if something doesn't work out now, it just doesn't work out. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with that person. I do not need validation. I do not need an explanation. I do not
0: need to apologize if we don't have a connection. Correct. And when I was like, that was my biggest thing, you know, like, and that's why, (laughs) you know, the apology jars here. Like, stop being sorry for shit that helps you be a better person and don't put on this facade for someone else because also... That's not fair to them, you know? And good for you for realizing that, you know, you have self-worth, they have self-worth, and it's not the end of the world as you get older. Yeah.
1: I mean I was but I was seeing somebody nice for to
0: have, you know?
1: seeing somebody for a couple of months and uh she actually called me up to tell me she didn't think this was working out. And I thought that was fucking awesome. <laughs> She she actually took the time Are you listening time, one of
0: him? Are you listening? Yeah.
1: Actually took the time to be genuine and just say, "Hey, I just don't really know if this is working out." Well, yeah. you know, 3 years ago, I probably would have questioned what I did wrong and go, "Oh, you, oh wait, completely. what what was this?" But yeah. now I, you know, I sit there and I just go, "Well, hey, th- you know, thanks for letting me know. I respect that decision on your part. Hope you have a great weekend." not talked to her since right. that's all that needed to be said you know mm-hmm. side note to that ghosting is rude as fuck do it to, to people okay but be an <laughs> <laughs> uh, adult and communicate
0: exactly also when is the line where you can stop you have to stop ghosting like is it you did th- for I think six some months people never,
1: go, never go never grow out of that phase i think it's just ghost. easier it, it kind of loops full circle to earlier, this this PC generation, how we're afraid of offending or bothering people and... Hurting them. They don't want to play the bad guy. And so instead, you just look like a douchebag for falling off the face of the earth. But, um, you know, the apps, again, like I was saying with the streaming service, uh, so many choices. I feel too... It can manipulate us in the sense that we may become, we run the risk of becoming more superficial because you I have agree. a limited amount of, say, photos to view. Four out of five of those may look great. Oh, your ears are a little funny in photo five, or your hair is parted <laughs> different and it kind of looks <laughs> off. So I think I'm going to pass on model, this everybody. person. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, the reality is you may have met that person out in the wild and, uh, you wouldn't have noticed that. No, because you, maybe their personality was so awesome and it just, you know, some people are on there looking for that validation just to see who likes their pictures or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, with no intention of ever, ever getting past a pen pal phase or something. Yeah, So I think, uh, Kind of user beware on those, um, and just use mad respect for your fellow
0: man, woman, whatever you know. Golden rule: just treat others how you want to be treated, but also just be kind. And you know how that interaction happened with that dating? How kind of her, you know? And what yeah. a great reaction you had! Like blew my thank mind. Thank you. <laughs> you know, are you adulting right now? Yeah, I know a lot of people hate that's, that, but it's
1: pretty wild.
0: Okay, so, number one, thank you so much for interviewing on We Are No Alamo, the mental health podcast. Your story helped me um, really in a large fact about talking about the family um, because I have felt for a while that I've really, it's going to make me cry.
1: Don't do that. I'm too far across the table to give you a hug.
0: Uh, It's okay. I can pause it. I felt for a while, you know, that your family is supposed to be your biggest supporter. Um, You know, they've known you your whole life. And what I've learned lately to accept is you can pick members of your family within your friends. You know, you talk about, the tribe, or yeah, that book by, was it Sebastian, um, that that's another way for you to have the support, even if it's not by blood. And so that was the biggest takeaway for me. So honestly, thank you so much for that and for sharing your story. And I hope that when people listen to this, you know, they understand that, you can go through something and then come out on the other side, better or worse, but it's all a learning experience, right? So that's what I hope <laughs> comes across. Um, also, just keep speaking to your fellow man. If they're crying, don't walk past them. Say, "What's up?" You know. Yeah. Maybe give yeah. Out.
1: I um, you know, blood is thicker than water is a phrase we hear a lot, but. There's also so many people who cannot approach their families for various reasons. Right? Maybe you know uh, maybe who they choose to love. Their family doesn't agree with, which then further adds to their
0: mental Disconnect. despair. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Yes.
1: Yeah, we're we're told our family will always be there. Family's this, family's that, but sometimes family just doesn't understand, and you got to go elsewhere. You do. So, and like yeah. you
0: said, find another friend. Yeah, and meet there.
1: new people, you know?
0: You can do it.
1: You can. You don't have to be extroverted to meet new people. You, uh. Because
0: other people want to meet you too. Yeah. I like just to wave. Find at some the, yeah,
1: find the other person that's yeah. uh, that's alone at the same spot. And go say exactly. hello.
0: And if they think that they know you and it's kind of awkward, just keep waving. Be like, oh, you <laughs> might have. I mean, you want to talk now? Just you thought I was someone else. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay. No,
1: yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This is this has been fun. Um, I hope within somewhere in my ramblings, people found some little bits of knowledge to take away and
0: I know, they you know did. get
1: a get a little benefit out of it. Honestly, that's that's what I'm trying to produce here. So for
0: sure, and I think you did a great job. Um, also, in the description of this podcast, I'm going to include some homeless resources um, that um, the city of Austin offers and you can go to austintexas.gov slash department slash housing and you can you know see what they're doing out there right now Um, and again thank you for listening and I appreciate you guys joining in and remember you're not alone because
1: We're always here.
0: (laughs) And as always, remember, you are not alone because we are no no Alamo. Alamo. Yeah. Ciao, poopsies.